Hey everybody, I'm Chris. I'm Steven. We like board games. And beer. We decided to pair them. We think you should too. Welcome to... Table Hops! So what's up, man? How's it going? Good, man. Good. How are, uh, how are things in your life? You're back at work? Back at school. Been very busy setting up classroom stuff lesson plans for the kiddos mm -hmm. in a couple days but it's been good good it's been good. good can't wait to get started wonderful so you you're teaching elementary school music elementary school music it's my 13th year doing it holy shit. i know old <laughs> so old yeah so first old. day of school is my birthday too oh yeah yep how old will you be 35 45 45 <laughs> <laughs> goodness uh. But we spent yesterday drinking beer and playing board games. It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's that's everything you'd want that's your birthday to be. That's the dream. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Um, today's episode, we are going to be talking about board game expansions, as well as beer variations. Yeah, so we've we've touched on this a couple episodes in the past, and uh, decided that we finally wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so, I guess we can get started on... Beer variants. Okay, let's talk about that. So, what variant of a beer have you had recently? Or that you can think of off the top of your head? Well, I had the fermented Freeverse okay. oh, from yeah. Virginia Beer That's Company. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Freeverse is their standard IPA. Mm -hmm. And then, I think it's just called the Brett Freeverse. And it's like a champagne? Is that what? No, no. That I was thinking it, of the Brut. You're thinking Brut. This is Brett. Brett. So, it has the Brett... Fingelheimer or whatever it's yeast. called. A type of yeast? Yeah. It's it's what they use the wild for... wild yeast? Yeah, it's what they use for souring. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I tried that yesterday. It was pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. Um, you I... couldn't really tell that it was like... Like, it had a different taste, but it was more fresh. I suppose. I don't know how to describe it. It definitely had a bit of a little pucker to it at the end. I thought. But then I'm used to the regular free verse. Yeah. Compared to that, it was... Quite yeah, I guess I can't remember the last time I had Freeverse. I see. Now, Virginia Beer Company's out of um, Williamsburg, right? Am I wrong? I don't think it's Williamsburg proper, but I think it's but that it's area. But it's that area. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. It's near, um, what's the other one? Uh, Brewworks? Is that what it's called? Aleworks. Aleworks. Aleworks is over there, too. Yeah, I don't think Williamsburg actually allows breweries inside the city. Yeah, I think it has to be, like, like in, like, surrounding for, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what have I had recently? Um, you had the Hawaiian punch. Yes. And last time I went to a droid, I had the Hawaiian punch. The funny thing is, I've never had the base, so I don't know what it's supposed to oh, be you... a variant off of. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it yeah. was, uh, what's the, uh, Antithesis? Antithesis, yeah. But I don't know. I've, that's the only one I've had. Um, one that comes to mind is one of my favorite local staples is El Guapo by O'Connor's. Mm -hmm. And I had the tequila version of that, which is really good. Um, it's it's not overly heavy on the tequila, mm -hmm. but it would be like a really good beer to have with like tacos. Okay. Now, would you consider like something in the AK series? Would you consider those to be variants of the same beer? Give me an example. Like Ghost Warrior. Right. Right. And they have what's the name of the what's what's the? It's AK Ghost Warrior, and then there's another Stone Warrior, I think. Okay, but they have like. What the, is it? The Silent Warrior Edition? Yeah. Or the... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think I was talking to a guy at a bottle shop and he was saying like, yeah, the recipes are just slightly different. Like it's the same base recipe and they just put a little twist in it for each variant. It's not just the labels. Like, Oh, it's actually a different... There's thing. actually a different mix to it. Like the one with the kind of like Valkyrie style uh, skeleton on the front of it. It's like a desert okay. theme kind of one. Yeah. That one apparently had more lactose in it than some other ones did. Hmm. They don't really, like, I think you can look on their website at adroitbrewing.com and they have, like, more info about that. But, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I do it for the labels, though, because the labels are really cool. Looking. Their labels are cool. Yeah, the super awesome. Cool. Bourbon barrel aged stuff, right? Sure. Yeah, that would be a... Bourbon barrel aged stouts, to me, are hit or miss because I think we talked about this before, but if it's, like, a bourbon aged flavored stout, I'd rather just have the flavor of the stout. Like, uh, what would be an example? Um, like, I've had um, Licking Hole Creek's Vanilla Porter. Okay. And they have a 
bourbon barrel version of that, but I find it just tastes too boozy. You don't get the, the vanilla doesn't make it. Okay. Does that make sense? It loses the flavor of that. The bourbon overtakes that. Okay. What about like GBS? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Although my favorite of that series is the Ken- Kentucky Morning. Is that what it's called? The bourbon barrel. No, I'm wrong. Christmas Morning. Just Christmas Morning. It's the so GBS not- with coffee. Yeah, so not the bourbon barrel. Right. Okay. Right. Um, because I just like the, the flavor of the coffee. I like the gingerbread coming through. For clarification, GBS is gingerbread style gingerbread from, from Hardywood mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. out of Richmond. Very popular. Yeah. I still have one aging from two years ago. So they have standard GBS, mm-hmm. GBS bourbon barrel aged, okay. Christmas morning, and then Kentucky morning, right. which is... It's a whiskey? Whiskey coffee? I think it's still... Is it bourbon? B- bourbon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, those, I mean, they're all great. My yeah. favorite just happens to be the Christmas morning one. The, isn't there a... There is, okay, there is an Apple GBS, too. But I think you can yeah, only get it there. You can only get it there. I don't think I've ever had... I've never had I've, it either. I've I know the label's kind of green. I've had it out of a tap. I've never had it in a bottle. I don't know. If, I mean, I guess they bottle it. I don't know. They do bottle it. Okay, yeah. they do. I've just never seen the bottle. I've only yeah. seen it online. Um, but cool. Yeah. Uh, what other... My... Uh, I love the different types of sculpins by, um, by Ballast Point. Point yeah. mm-hmm. like What's the, your favorite sculpin by them? Oh, the pineapple. Yeah? Pineapple for sure. Uh, what are the other ones they have? They Jalapeno, have, grapefruit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm wrong. The grapefruit's the one I like. Sorry. The grapefruit's <laughs> my favorite one. Yeah. The pineapple one to me tastes like a flat pineapple soda, and it's not like... I'm just not the biggest pineapple fan. What? I, I like I, You like pineapple and pizza. I do! weirdo i know i don't know like i don't know like we just lost 12 followers we did yes <laughs> oh well it's okay um the one i did not like by ballast point was the watermelon el dorado mm. you know what i'm talking about it's too watermelony to me that's the double ipa it's too actual watermelony right i, I don't know it just overpowers you, you, it you prefer the uh the fake watermelon flavor i like that yeah like bubblegummy kind of watermelon taste yeah but also with the double ipa I'm not drinking it for the watermelon, you know? Sure. So Yeah, but if it had a more natural watermelon sure. taste, it mm-hmm. would be fine. Mm-hmm. The only melony one I can think of is the one that we had at Three Notch, that watermelon. It didn't have any watermelon in it. Oh, that hop. Yeah. That melon that, hop. But we can't remember that. We should, we should really look up <laughs> these things we can't remember in between episodes. If we planned our podcast more than we two minutes before, mm-hmm. maybe we, we would. Might be able to. <laughs> what other variants? Adroit has so many variants. We had the Black Is Your Soul, right? They have all those ones, too. One of my favorite series is the Wake Me Before You Goza, which is a summer goza by Strange Ways. Okay. And then they have four different types. So they have uh, their base, obviously. They have a peach mango one. They have a mango pineapple one. Oh, that sounds good. And then they have a ghost pepper one. So the ghost pepper one gives you a little spice, a little kick. Okay. And that's one where actually I don't like the base. I see. Oh. But I like all the variants. I can, okay. Well, that kind of makes sense. And I was worried because they were like, came out with all these variants and I tried the base one and I was like, oh, this Ooh, is kind of. like the base. Yeah. And Got then it. I had the ghost pepper one and and that like turned me on to all the other you ones. You like all, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'm not a big spice. Well, no, let me take that back. There is one spicy beer that I always like. It was a, a series by Left Hand Brewing called Fade to Black. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's this, it's kind of like they release it every year, or at least they, this was a few years ago. I, I, I imagine they still do it, but they have one like weird release, and it's called the Fade to Black. And the one that I had was like a spicy chili chocolate stout. And this is like really their good. experimental release of the year so. type thing? I think so. It's like a special release that they do. Gotcha. Other than that, I think they only do Dead Guy and... That nitro uh, milk stout. The yeah. The one with the purple mm-hmm. label. I don't remember the name of it. What else? I mean, there's all the, like, you know. Like, the, I think the standard is to, like, barrel age it, right? In right. something. Right. Or, yeah, in something. Right. I like rum barrel age stuff more than I like yeah. bourbon barrel age stuff. We also don't like I bourbon, like bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Tequila stuff is hit or miss for me. Tequila stuff, to me, normally comes off too strong. Yeah, it's it's a devil. Like that's why I think I like the El Guapo because there's enough beer there mm-hmm. to make it still taste like beer. The tequila doesn't completely take it over like some other tequila aged beers I've had that it just tastes like tequila or it's like a like a Goza style and it ends up tasting like a margarita. Yeah, O'Connor's did a didn't they do a Goza with a tequila aged? They did. Okay, they released released it. 
in like in when they released their cerveza. Okay. And it was the same problem. It was just like it it's was overpowering. Yeah. Right? It was too tequila. Actually, speaking of O'Connor's and a lot of other breweries have these now are Randall's. Mm-hmm. Right? So that that you make a variation right there. Right. Um so a Randall machine is like a small capsule that you put ingredients in that the beer passes through and it infuses it with that like spices or, or yeah, fruit anything. or whatever yeah um i know some people have done it with bacon they put bacon in that thing and they run like a stout through it i've heard of sours going through it and they fill it with lemon heads yeah that sounds good to me um and then i think mix it up has one and you can like give them suggestions of what to put in it and they'll like do it there hmm. but i have never done that before i think it definitely depends on the beer Right, but mm-hmm. I've had beers that go through a Randall that don't taste any different. Well, I think the other problem with that is you can't do it quick. I think you got to let it sit or let it slow trickle through for yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, some people just do it like quick, too quick. You know, yeah. it's like putting a tea bag and taking it out too soon. What about like nitro variants? Okay, I'm not normally a big nitro fan. I like the little bit of carbonation that's in beers. Okay. Um, You're the, like you. Like the the fizziness, yeah, or a little it, fizziness, yeah. a little uh, you know, you get the head on the top. I find nitros to me, they generally just taste flat. I don't like the, that flat. Interesting. To it. The the one that I would say um I do like is stouts going through that, especially like that coffee stout that uh, that we had before. Um, that on nitro is great. Well, stouts are typically nitro. Not, not yeah. yeah. Well, well, not not always. Not always, but they, but they work well with the nitro. Yeah. You know, like what Guinness, right? Is nitro. Yeah. yeah. Um, but not all stouts are like that. But I think it works great with a stout. With an IPA I've had, I'm like, Bleh. I'd rather just have a. I don't well, know. It's kind of pointless, right? I guess I've I've seen it quite a bit. Yeah. And a lot of barrel aged stuff too goes through. They do it in nitro too, and I'm like, one. Why? I have only ever seen stouts and porters. Really? Yeah. Well, I've, I've seen I've, I've seen I've, other stuff too. I've never seen like a goza on nitro. Oh, I don't know about that. I've had IPA on nitro before. Yeah. And it wasn't. Wasn't for me. Yeah. Do you still get that whole, like, waterfall effect from it? Yeah. Yeah? Sure. Yep. Not, Not as distinct as that. Right. You know. And I think that's... I was... When I had a snowing in space yesterday, my new favorite coffee, um, when you pour it in there, it looks like a snowstorm in space. Yeah. I think that's where they get their name, of course. And you see that in stouts. When you do it with an IPA, you just see the foam go up. Like... Oh, Or, okay. or whatever else it is. Yeah. Gotcha. Boddington's. Boddington's is mm-hmm. a nitro that's a pale. Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a pale. I think it counts as a pale. I know it's an English pub ale, whatever that means. Yeah. But to me, I would, yeah. I saw, at, I think it was Total Wine, you can have Randall's, like, at home. Like, they just have little tiny Randall's. And you, like, put a growler on it or something. It's huh. this weird, like, thing. You, like, just screw it on top of a... Yeah. I didn't, I didn't look into it, but I'm like, oh, it's a at-your-house Randall. Do you have to have, like, a CO2 tank with it? I don't think so. I think it's just, like, an infuser. But how you do you... You just pour the beer into the thing... Oh, and it's like separated, and okay. then you use the pour it again. Gotcha. But I didn't really look into it. I'm not about to, because I think you'd need a lot of whatever ingredient you're putting in there for it to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just like when you, I don't know if you've ever made like, um, if you've ever fermented anything, right? Just beer, not fruit. Okay. So like when you do like when when I make hot sauce, okay. right? You need a lot of peppers, not just for flavor. Like, you lose a lot of the flavor to the outside liquid. Okay. But you need a lot of liquid to extract it. Extract it. Okay, got it. Right? But if you have too much liquid comparative to your fruit, Mm -hmm. right, or whatever you're putting in there, it off balances it, and then you can't can't extract Uh. it. So, like, I'd imagine that even if you're doing, you know, a 64-ounce growler, you need a decent amount of stuff in there. I think the – like, if I had a Randall – what I, the first thing I would do would probably be get a lighter, like a honey blonde or something like that, yeah. and then fill it, fill a Randall with strawberries. And yeah. that seems like the easiest thing to do, something like that. Yeah. I wouldn't do anything risky for until I really got a handle on it. Yeah. Like another one that I would, I'd like to take Christmas morning and fill it with candy canes. That'd be kind of neat. I don't hmm. know what it would be like. Sounds holiday. I wonder, I wonder if there's like a difficulty with like the darker you go up, if it's harder. If you need more. Yeah. Well, I guess it's like, I know nothing about how plants work, but I guess it's kind of like pickling, right? Where depending on how much acid you have and whatever you're doing, they'll right. bring out more of the stuff. So Right, but stouts and stuff are more... They're heavy. Yeah. And like, in order to infuse that with flavor, you need a lot, right. I assume. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Is it, but um, No idea. 
what was I gonna? Oh yeah, I had your hot sauce for the first time the other day. Oh yeah, I was at Pat's house and he had a little bottle. Yeah, and we only like, got married a year ago. I never got a bottle. <laughs> you never got a bottle. I never got one. No. So I'm like, oh, this is from Steven. It was good. Yeah, I like them. Thanks. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, it was a huge hit. I get requests for it all the time. Awesome. Yeah, but it kind of stings up your apartment, right? Only when I do. I had to do a hundred bottles of it. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. So I was doing it nonstop. So first of all, I was like, I was pickling for two months to be able to get enough peppers to, okay. to be able to do it and then when i actually cooked it you know i was cooking non-stop for a week because mm. you so I, I take all the peppers and i pickle them and then do you do it in a big ass um like stock pot or something just to get a big batch or no so it's a uh it's a uh it's a fermenting jar so imagine like it's like a giant mason jar it's like a giant mason jar it has a, a lid on it that has a rubber gasket around it okay. so that way you keep all the all the air in right um, but it can vent out, right? Or it... Yeah, so there's a little a little vent mm-hmm. pipe that you put onto it, right? And yeah. so it's it's a it's a water lock, I so yeah. air can get out but can't get back mm-hmm. in. I have those in the homebrew stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, bung. yeah. So you let that ferment for a couple months, and then you. Uh, Where do you keep it? In a closet? No, just in my in my kitchen. In the kitchen? Yeah, just sits there. Normally, it sits on top of the fridge. Does it need to be? Is it as temperature dependent as like a homebrew is, or you can no. really do it wherever? No, as long as... You can leave it outside. You, no, you wouldn't want to get that hot. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to keep anywhere between, like, 69 to, like, 77. Okay. Like, around there. Like, room temperature. Yeah, a little bit warmer little... is always good. Okay. Um, that's why I keep it on top of the fridge. Oh, you get uh, that residual heat. Yeah, just a little bit. And, cool. uh Yeah, and then you just cook it off and puree it and mm-hmm. burn your eyes. And, and you, you put your it nose. on your pineapple pizza. And your wife yum, yum. decides that she's going to leave you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I think that I think that variants are good for the industry. Absolutely, and it just spices things up. It's just interesting. Like, if you if you're like me and you have staples that you drink pretty regularly, it's nice to see a little variation on something you can trust. You know, like something you know what you're getting, but a little. I like the idea of just changing a base that's good rather than starting from scratch. Yeah, it makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Like you have a beer that that you know that you like, mm-hmm. right, and then. They're experimenting with different stuff right. on top of it. And that. I'm sure it's a lot more... I don't know, because I don't know how they're going through their batches, but I'm sure it's a lot more cost-effective to like take a small batch and do a weird test with a base that you're going to have to make anyway, then make a whole batch of something and it bombs. Like, it's no good. Well, yeah, I imagine you could just build your, your base that you're doing anyways, mm-hmm. right? And just, yeah, and just take a little take bit of that. Take 10 barrels off or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's great. I think that the more of them we get, the better. Um, sure. I think honestly, I would prefer to see more variants from the mid-size breweries. Okay. Right, rather than just come out with new flavors. Right. Okay. I can see that. Like instead of them coming out, like instead of O'Connor's coming out with another IPA, instead give me a guapo and give me a little change. Yeah. Right. Yep. They have the Moy guapo, their double up guapo, which is really good. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's just taking something and yeah, pumping it up some. Yeah. I think it's that's fair. Yeah, I think there's, like, what's what's an example of, uh, Clown Shoes makes a lot of IPAs. And unless I'm tasting them back-to-back, I don't really notice too much of a difference. Between, like, Galactica and oh, sure. Space Cake. Yeah. And, I mean, then you have the Lemon Drop Space Cake, right? And then there's also the the mixture of those two, Galactic Cake. Galactic Cake. Yeah. And I don't, maybe my palate isn't as defined and I can't. <laughs> differentiate the different individual hops in it but right yeah i don't know i don't think that i think the only time i've ever done like variants back to back to back is like at a brewery yeah and like it, when and i do a when flight, a flight. Yeah. and i feel like that's what kind of flights are for to be able to taste things and compare them to each other yeah i don't i don't know that i would i don't know i think it would depend on the beer but i think i would prefer to like try more beers than variants of beers but okay. it's, it's a, yeah. you know, and yeah. then once I find that, but again, it's the whole thing, right? Like, I didn't like the base waking up before you goza. Yeah, so you might like one of the variants. Oh, one of the variants, yes, man, yeah. Change my thinking there. Well, good thing is beer is plenty. That's right. Yeah, always, always available. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some games. Let's talk about some expansions. <sighs> okay, so first of all, let's define what an expansion is. All right, so an expansion in my mind is you have a base game and it's a separate purchase and it comes with, um, what, like new mechanics, new um, 
people you like new characters in certain games, new scenarios. Okay. So there's obviously like the industry, mm-hmm. right, is willing to call almost anything an expansion. Right. 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 Um for example, mm-hmm. Everdell came with a expansion in the box. Okay. Right? And it was just a more advanced mechanic. It's like a variant that you can just add on top yeah. of? Yeah, basically. Um, it doesn't add anything to, like, the game other than you replace, like, when you build this card, right? Okay. It replaces a card. Oh, okay. So, so like, if you have the castle, it upgrades to a stronghold. Sure. That kind of thing. Okay. So, I've noticed, and I think we've had this discussion, expansions to me fall in one of two categories. So they, they put expansions out there basically to give you more replayability of a game that you like. And I think it's either you end up with an expansion that's just more of the same mm-hmm. or something that completely changes the game altogether. Okay. Right? Um, so let's talk about a game that we've both played yeah. that has expansions on it. Okay. What, what? game? <laughs> Champions. Champions of so, so we've played Champions with the base. Yes. With one ex- with the Valhalla expansion, with yep. the Dark Mountain expansion, and with both. Right. Okay. So the base game comes with a certain number of heroes and a the certain ba- number. The base of... game is is four players. Yep. It comes with the you know standard monsters, stand, standard trolls, all that. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's no like like it's all just the standard worker placement stuff. Yep. Um, the Valhalla. Yeah. Or no, Dark Mountain is the first expansion. Start with that one. That's the Hill Giant one, right? Dark Mountain adds the board for the Hill Giants. Mm-hmm. It adds another marketplace space. Yep. And it adds the fifth player. Right. And the Archer Dice. That's yeah, that's part of the Hill part Giants. Part of the Hill Giants thing. Yep. So I feel like that expansion, it's not a huge change to the game. To me, it's more spaces. The Hill Giants in some ways, but it's just more traveling spaces and a new player. Correct. I think the the big part of that game is adding the fifth player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but know, then the hill giants are there. The hill giants are quite honestly right. They're just more monsters to yeah, fight. Yeah. It's new spaces you can go to. Yeah. And the, the difference is is that you're getting dice instead of gold. Right. 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 And you'll you'll spend and lose gold as opposed to food, like you would on a on a journey. Like a yeah, a Valhalla expansion. I think is a complete change of the game. Yeah. So Valhalla adds the Valhalla space, mm-hmm. um, where your dead warriors are turned into tokens that you then use to purchase um, upgrades or purchase uh, or to defeat the legendary monsters. Okay. Um, you also get the berserker and shield maiden dice Mm -hmm. and you get the leader dice right so i feel like that that changes so much of the game because now the warriors that you use to complete other missions when they die you have to decide what kind of it 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 makes it matters matters more more. yeah Yeah. instead of just throwing these Mm -hmm. four people in right just as long as they fulfill the the necessary requirements right you might throw an extra guy in there just to kill them off okay and they also add the leader die like you said and that gives your group or your character a whole new ability Yeah, it gives your character a special ability if Mm -hmm. you were to roll the viking horn or viking helm Mm -hmm. um and it also does do damage as well right not not as efficiently sure it does i think it's still a huge change to the game yeah um, am I right in saying that the Valhalla expansion, if you just play with that, it doesn't add the fifth player? You need the other one to. No, add you the can play. Player. You can play that with the fifth player. But but well. these are purchased separately. They are purchased separately. So if you yep. don't buy the Hill Giant one, you can't play five players. Correct. There's not enough. There's not. It doesn't have the pieces. Correct. Okay. Yep. So those remind me a lot of the the game that I always compare champions to, Lords of Waterdeep. Sure. Those two expansions, they do come together. It's um, I forgot the name of them. It's like Undermountain. Or Fire Mountain and uh-huh. um, the Corruption one. Okay. And the Fire Mountain one is just more of the same. It gives you more buildings. It adds more Lord cards. It adds more... And a board with new spaces. Okay. But it also allows for the fifth player. Sure. Uh, and then the Corruption track, uh, when you're doing things, it'll give you a lot of rewards, but it'll give you Corruption tokens. And depending on how things go, if a lot of people are corrupt, it's bad for everybody. Right. Oh, no, no. I said that wrong. If we're all equally corrupt, it's not so bad. Right. 
but if one person gets too greedy, it, it's just another resource to do, and I think it adds a lot to the game. I like it because I like to mess with people, and I think that game's more about messing with other people. Uh, sure, comparatively, but I, yeah. I don't think that the... Uh... I don't think it's a hugely interactive game, and I don't think that adding the corruption makes it... Is it that big of a deal? Because no. the biggest thing is the entry cards. That's like the number one thing about that game, I think. Really? The entry game. Yeah, that can make you win. Um, like I feel like every turn, you're going to go to Waterdeep Harbor. At least one of your guys, if you can. Sure, but I don't think that the entry cards are game-changing. Oh, I think they totally are. Putting a quest in front of you that you have to complete before anything, taking away resources that you will need... Sure, yeah. but it, like, I think you could not go to Waterdeep Harbor and still do well in that game. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you'd, you won't have the leg up, though. Sure. Yeah. But, like, if you're just, like, focusing on, like, like, if you're the builder, right? True. That's true. Never have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. You just, like, get gold, build stuff. Thing. Build yeah. stuff. Yep. So, Tiny Epic Defenders. Yeah. Right? Dark War. So, the Dark War is a completely different expansion. Yeah. It right? changed the game a lot. So it adds experience points, it adds an additional objective of these caravans, it adds a campaign mode. Okay. Um, I think that's something where, like, you took a game that is great and basic, right? And mm. you made it a much more gamey game, right? Yeah, a little heavier. Like, I know your initial initial review of Tiny Epic Defenders was a little eh, mm -hmm. and then you played it a couple more times and you started to like it yeah. more, right? Um I've played that game now 12 times. Okay. Without the expansion. Uh, just the played. base. Yeah, just the base. And it does get a little, like, like I know what to do. Right? You, you, okay, it's start getting on autopilot. Yeah. And and I um, I have this problem where I tend to uh, alpha game. Yeah. Right? But, I mean, this is tight. And it's just because I've played it a thousand times, I'm like, no, this is the this best. This is the best way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um. I really like the, the Dark War expansion. My favorite thing is the experience points. I think it's ginormous. It'll give you something else to do. Yeah, and it, it, just... you have points that you can spend. It's, it's yeah. another resource that you're using to either save to level up or spend to do extra things. The one thing, we didn't play the campaign together. Right, we just the, played the, the one-off game. Yeah, so the campaign adds these generals. Right. So they're think of them, they're like epic foes okay. before the epic foe. Uh -huh. So they, they do the same thing where they go to a location... You have to go to the location to fight them. Mm -hmm. They have a certain uh, health, right? So they have like six health or whatever. Okay. And so you have to you have to fight them as you you were fighting an epic monster. Like say you spent three rounds defeating that general, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Then everything resets okay. and you start basically a new game and you have to fight a second general and then you do do it again and then you reset okay. and fight then an epic you find foe. the epic foe. Yeah. So it's three games and for those three games you're the same character the whole you can't change same character but you have the same skills you have the same if equipment you have artifacts you keep yeah. the artifacts exactly is it meant to be played as one long setting yeah it's sixty minutes oh that's not so long yeah it's 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 a very very quick fast pace I think from what I saw it's like an average of like sixty to seventy minutes but yeah but that's an just Fun afternoon game. Imagine, right? Imagine if you took a regular game, right, mm -hmm. and times it by like two. Okay, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, neat. Um, I'd like to try that sometime. Yeah, um, it has new characters, right? New characters, new epic foes. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the big thing is the generals, right? Right. The other big thing in Dark War is that it adds the hostile and friendly locations. Right. So is that like the Manticore? Yeah, so the Manticore was one of the... It's the hostile mountain location. Mm -hmm. um, so each location has a new card, right? And so you randomly pick two out. And one is the hostile and one's the friendly. And so you replace the base... Is that why we got the ones. coast? Yeah. That was the friendly one? Mm -hmm. So the you coast. got one bad, one good. Yep, exactly. Um, is there a bad coast on the other side? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. There's a good mountain on the other side. Correct. Okay, I get it. Yep. Like the coast one, right? We could roll, and then that would be like a shield, basically, mm -hmm. for for that location. The manticore causes where we couldn't defend at that location. I didn't like the manticore. <laughs> it's so annoying. The caravans are kind of neat. Kind of neat. Did you feel like they were too easy? I felt like they were more of a nuisance than anything. Really? Like, I didn't feel like... They weren't hard to get. Uh-huh. But it was something I just had to do. It's like when you're trying, when you're playing like an RPG and like you have a main quest to do, but then somebody stops you on the road. Oh, my wagon fell over. Help me. Well, that's the, the point, right? Yeah. Is it, is it supposed to be like... It's another thing to juggle. It, it, it adds another level of difficulty, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, you can't beat the game until all of these are in there. Even if you beat the epic foe, if your caravans aren't in, you don't win. Oh. 
So what ends the if you what if you kill the epic foe and you still have caravans? Can you just get you, them? you just have to keep going till you get you have to kill all the caravans yeah. in? Yeah. yeah. And imagine right, like by the time you get to the epic foe, you've got one or two locations destroyed. What happens to caravans on destroyed locations? Do they just move like normal? They just move like normal. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that would give you a reason to maybe have to go to a destroyed location. Right. Otherwise, there's no point. Otherwise, there's no point. Exactly. Hmm. And there's the whole, like, sure, you do have, like, this new thing to do with XP, right? Right. But I also have to spend more actions to move caravans. these caravans yeah. around. Which look cool. I like the little cardboard things. Yeah. What is that cardboard tree? We never got to do that. Is that That's like for, for the, the forest f- location. friendly forest place? Yeah. I don't know exactly what it does, okay. but there's that. And then there's also the other side of the coast has these, like, waves. Oh, I saw the use. wave tokens in yeah. there. But, yeah, I, I think... That's a great example of a game that adds, like, doesn't add a whole bunch of new mechanics. It just right. it just expands on the existing mechanics into something that I think makes that game completely different. Interesting. Uh, the um, one game that I just got was that um, Mixtape Massacre game. You weren't here, I don't think, when we were playing it mm-hmm. last night. But um, it came with something that's sort of a in-the-box expansion when you get it. Mm-hmm. it it's a There's the regular base game, and, and then there's the advanced game. Right. So in the advanced game... Like, it's not much more advanced. You're just looking for specific trophies. You're trying to make matches of tiles. Okay. Rather so, than just collecting regular tiles. It's just an advanced mechanic, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. like, learn the base game, and right. then when you're ready, throw this in. And that game, because me and Aaron played it technically in a four-player game, because we each played two players mm-hmm. each, and then in a six-player game, which we played yesterday, it's cool. it's much more chaotic. Yeah. Fun, though. See, I feel that like something like that isn't an expansion. Like, I feel okay. like they call it an expansion. Well, it wasn't. It was in the box. They do have an expansion of the game. Okay. And apparently that adds new characters, new cards, like, you know, just more of the same. Sure. But it also adds a death deck, which I don't know what it does. But okay. it's a whole other thing, thing that okay. you add to the game. So that's sort of an expansion. The one expansion that always comes to mind that I'm like, why did they package it this way? Maybe you can shed some light on this is the dead of winter expansion okay so there's the dead of winter base game mm-hmm. which msrp is like 50 bucks i think 49.95 yep. then they have dead of winter the long night yep which has two expansions in it but also the base game for also 49.95 yep why didn't they just release the long night as a smaller maybe 30 40 expansion to add to the base game i feel like when i went to go shopping and i like the game so much i wanted to buy it i'm like why would I ever buy the base game? Sure. Um, Just for the characters? So it's my understanding, mm-hmm. right, that Dead of Winter was running low on print run anyways. Okay. And so instead of them having to do another print run of Dead of Winter, mm-hmm. they can just add this expansion into it. Now they have basically new Dead of Winter. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, Dead of Winter was doing great, but then a show named Tabletop with Will Wheaton covered it. Right. They did like a playthrough of it, and yeah. that shot uh, sales through the roof. Okay. Like they were already working. Didn't work- that happen with um, Betrayal, too? Because I didn't hear about Betrayal until that show came out. Really? But I'm, I just hadn't. Wow. Amy told me about it for the first time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I've been playing Betrayal since I was like 12. Yeah. Well, I'm um, old. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very similar where like somebody covered it, it was very popularized. Went through the roof. You couldn't find it. It was mm-hmm. a hard... Like, that year that a video came out, you couldn't find Dead of Winter. Oh. And so, what happened is, uh, Plat Hat said, we're, we were already playing an expansion. Let's just throw it into this next copy. Okay. And then what happened is, anybody who happened to have Dead of Winter left, right, would just slash the price of it. I see. And, and sell it Cause off. Because, well, I mean, when I've seen it in stores, they've always been the same price. Yeah. But I don't see the first one very often anymore either. Right, because it doesn't. Right. Doesn't so really exist. in the, um, I don't think. Have you played the uh, Long Night expansions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there's two of them, right? There's the Bandit expansion, mm-hmm. which I don't like at all. Yeah. I, I don't see the point of it. It's just a headache. Yeah. And then there's the Raxon expansion, which I love. Yeah. Can't like I don't want to play Dead in Winter without it now. Okay. This is so cool. Yeah. Now there's also the New Warring Colonies. Which, that is a separate expansion. That is a separate expansion. Yeah. Um, from what I've just read online, it's 
it adds another colony on top of your colony and there's interaction there or you can play the warring colonies game but you need at least five to six people to start it it's like six to twelve or something like that right and i think you both play dead of winter but you can like fight each other across the colonies that sounds like a headache to me honestly Sounds kind of cool. I mean, maybe it's awesome. Like, I think I think the big thing there is, and the way that I understand it, too, is it's like two copies of Dead of Winter that you're playing against each other. Right. But you don't have to, like, you don't have to be at the same table. Oh, really? Like, you could have one copy going, one copy going, right? Uh-huh. And then... So you're playing at possibly two different speeds? Correct, yeah. Okay, because I was wondering how they keep pacing going, because that game... Your turn takes a long time. Correct. Yeah. And if you had, I can't imagine playing that with like eight or nine people. Yeah. And so the the difference is, is like, basically there's always two people going at once. Mm-hmm. And then at the, uh, what do they, what do they call their cleanup phase? When you like feed everybody and like refill oh, the monster. colony phase. The colony phase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. During that phase, it adds another step. And so uh, you both complete the colony phase at the same time. Oh, so let's say we get through our day really quick. We got to wait till they get through their day. Right. And then we end together. Yeah. That can be so, so it keeps you in the same kind of pace, but it also isn't like you're waiting for 11 other people to go. But that's definitely for a group of, what, let's say eight experienced at a winner players. You want to play with the snoobs. Right. You would. And I think you'd want to play with a group that like you're comfortable with. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that game. That game's super fun. Yeah. A game that you've never played any expansions to mm-hmm. is Power Grid. Right. Power Grid has a thousand quote-unquote expansions okay not uh, actually they're, they're tiny so there's like there's expansions that are they add like little mechanics to it okay right so we have a couple that like add this thing where you have to the the government is taxing you right mm-hmm. but when they tax you they use that money to build these connections that then cost zero so it would oh. take, take towns and it connects them together and now you don't cost anything to, to go through those Okay. But then there's also expansions that just add other continents or other countries to go through. So it's a new map? Yeah. Oh, cool. New map, but everything else is the same. Now, I remember you telling me that there was two versions of the game. Correct. And they don't really physically match up. Right. So So are all the expansions made twice as well? They're not made twice, no. A lot of the expansions are only for the original game Uh and not the deluxe game. So it kind of makes... You kind of don't want the deluxe game. So keep your options open. There's luckily Power Grid has so many like community members that they've they've come up with these guides of like this is how it should work. I see. The biggest difference in mm-hmm. Deluxe, right, okay. is that instead of having trash plants, you have natural gas plants. Okay. Um, so it's a physical different resource type. Um, in, in 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 like the other one's not even there. Trash isn't there at all. It's okay. just gas. Is it just a different token, or is it actually, like, replenished differently? It's replenished differently. Oh. The power plants work differently. Okay. So it's um, kind of like a different game, almost. Like, kind of. It's it's the same idea. It's almost like an expansion. Oh. Right? Okay. But it's just built into it. I personally don't like Deluxe. Okay. Um, Do you have both, or just the base? I have just the base. Um, I've played Deluxe three or four times. Every time I play it, it's just like... Like, I get why they did it. It was like, we need to have something different here. Right, but it doesn't to me feel like it's worth the thirty dollar price difference. Oh, I didn't know it was that much. Yeah, it's mm. a thirty dollar price difference. Is that also a component upgrade too? Do they have the cool resources or not so much? No, nah, it's just cubes. But those are purchased separately. You can buy those. You cool can buy resources, resources separately. Yeah. yeah, it's not actually it, technically it's not by Rio Grande. Okay, we can get in a whole other thing about component quality. But yeah, but that'd be something else. Rio Grande is like <clears throat> Rio Grande wants all their stuff to be made in America, which. I get, right? But American producers are just not on the level that European and Asian producers are. Okay. Like, the only thing that America has going for them, and, and you know this, is card quality. Yeah. Like, they just started doing linen finishes. Okay. You know what I mean? Yep. But they, you get them to put out a wooden meeple, right? And it doesn't look great at all. Nope. <laughs> nope. Especially compared to, you know, these Asian factories, which, don't get me wrong. I'm all about American labor and, like, you know, made in the USA. Sure. But if I can get a better quality piece from Asia, right. why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't you? And, you know, it's just how it is. Like, some countries are better at making certain things than other countries. Right. It's just how it goes. Yeah. I would probably and, buy and, a Swiss watch. <laughs> and especially <laughs> something as, like, you know, board games are kind of artistic. Sure. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, And component quality to me is a huge thing. 
It's right? huge. Yeah. Like if I if I buy a game, mm-hmm. right? If I buy a game that's over twenty dollars, I want the components to be worth the money. Yeah, exactly. Right. Especially mm-hmm. for like like a, a Gloomhaven, right? Right. Like even though that is just like such a large game, right? I want my components to be great. And sure. they are. Yeah. You know, the mm-hmm. miniatures are great, the card quality is fantastic. Yep. You know, and then you take that and compare it to like I don't know, what's a really like crappy production? Okay. The, uh, I like the game a lot. Mm-hmm. The Game of Thrones Risks have, has some really low-quality components. Yep, I agree. The cards are terrible. I agree. Um, is, that sleeving a, them, is that a USA Opoly? Yeah, it's a USA yeah. Opoly. That's the, that's the thing. It's mass, super mass-produced, right? They just make all their stuff the same way. I don't know if that is mass-produced okay. as much. Now, the figures, all the money went into those figures. Yeah. They're super cool looking. Certainly. Um, but the cards, the quality of the cards, you need to sleeve them. I cannot imagine playing that game without sleeving the cards. They're too thin. Yeah. Right, I like the um, mixtape massacre a lot. I think the the design of the game is really cool, but there's no like everything's cardboard, everything's cardboard punch outs. There's mm-hmm. no like figures. There's no and and from what I've seen, MSRP is pretty high on that game, and I don't really see why. I think it's like, like 60? sixty bucks, hmm. and and maybe that's just because that's the that seems to be the base price of most games right around now. Yeah. So maybe they just said, oh, it's worth this much, and it's. The cards are great. The board looks really neat. Mm-hmm. And the box is like lined on both sides and looks all nice and everything, but the there's no component to it. Right. It's all cardboard punch outs. Are you thinking that like a sixty dollar game should get you some plastic in it? I think it should have figures for the characters. Okay. Right? The other huge printing thing I had an issue with was they put all the flavor text on your card, your character card, mm-hmm. but none of the rules, none of the special character abilities, they're all in the book. You have to look them up individually. Mm-hmm. So I have a constant, constant reference of what when my character's birthday was, <laughs> but when it comes to my special ability, I have no idea. And there's no player reference card no. or anything like that. Yeah, that's frustrating. So I, pr- I printed them out and just taped them onto the cards. Right. And, and it works fine. But I'm just like, why would you do that? But that's something in a $60 game that I shouldn't have to do. Right. If I'm paying $20 for a game, I might be willing mm-hmm. to overcome that. Right. You know what I mean? I but think... even even something like Tiny Epic Defenders, right? All their cards are lemon finish. Right. All their pieces, the item meeples. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Come Another on. interesting thing for me, anyway, is I'm really picky about my rule books, too. Sure. So I've noticed most games now, on the back, they say, don't want to read the book? Watch the video. Right. But then a lot of, like like, certain games I have... The book is so vague right. that you have to watch the video. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Especially if I we're looking up a rule. Yeah. I want the book to be very succinct, very clear. My on. biggest thing with rule books is they have to be indexable. Mm-hmm. Have to be. Yep. Especially if you're if you're over eight pages long. Yeah, you I need, need an index. I need an index. Yeah. Glossary is always good too, especially if you use a lot of keywords. Yeah, I think glossary is less important. I think a glossary is good for a player reference card. Okay. Right. Sure. If but you, like games like um, Descent and uh, Gloomhaven that have sure they have trigger whole, cards like or trigger words. Right. I need to know what those are. Yeah. And they have a player guide for that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Descent's a great example, right? Descent and Imperial Assault, right? Yep. Both of those have. Here's how you play. Here is a easy searchable glossary of terms. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I would like to see personally is I would like to see more rule books offered in a uh, PDF version. I find most of them are. You can go... Yeah, I mean, they're not easily found. Right. Like, you have to go to the website, you have to go deep into the game, you have to find, oh, here's some downloads. Right, exactly. Um, I, I wish w- that it would be easily accessible, mm-hmm. right? Because then I can pull it up, do a quick Control-F, yep. and find it. Sure. I should just turn this guy down. <laughs> One thing I have noticed that um, with smaller game company like see i'm not saying like like fantasy flight is a big company mm-hmm. all the way down to you can always go onto their website there's forums if you have a rules problem mm-hmm. there's a reta and sure. stuff like that but when it comes to like mass like uh, anything by usaopoly if you have a rules questions you're screwed no one's gonna help you well i think that's also like a that's that's really game dependent yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. like grim forest okay right so grim forest Made by Druid City Games. Mm-hmm. Very small company. Yeah. Very small. Okay. But the game has a huge following. Right. 
So it has a community behind it, so people are able to ask questions sure. and get answers to it. Sure. Okay. A game, you know, like is a bad example, but Uno. Okay. Right. There's Duo now. You see that? <laughs> yeah. When does Trace come out? But you're not going to be able to like those. It's those. <laughs> I don't know Spanish or Uno. <laughs> Uh, you're not gonna be able to go on a forum and be like what's this that's a really bad example because everyone plays uno differently it's like fucking monopoly but i feel like that's kind of the, the but it, but it's a thing right like if it's a really bad game okay god oh arena of the planeswalkers arena of the planeswalkers fantastic <laughs> example no one's playing that game because it doesn't make any sense zero people play that game it makes no sense. zero people hey we're gonna pair it in fact we're gonna do it i want to look i am curious okay I want to see what the score is right now. It's been going down. Finally. After so long. God damn it. Nope. It's still a seven. It's still <laughs> a seven. Maybe. You know what? You know what? Now, it, mind you, it only has 360 votes. Okay. Okay. Here, here's the thing about that game, though. Maybe it's so bad because no one knows how to play it. Maybe the rule book was the thing that just destroyed the whole game. Yeah, I agree. I don't know because I don't know how to play it. Here's another way that a uh, game that we tried to... I want to put this in comparison to you for okay. you. Okay. So, Arena of the Planeswalkers has been out for how long? A while. It was uh, since um, before Innistrad. Right. Before so Shadows. Three years, right? Yeah. Scythe has been out for a very similar amount of time. Mm-hmm. 31,000 <laughs> votes. <laughs> Versus 300? <laughs> yes. And still has a bigger score. 8.2. Right. But, I will say this. If you find it for five bucks, totally worth it for the plastic figures. Yeah, if you're going to play it in D&D or yeah, whatever. Yep, it's neat just to have them. It's great. Just throw away the box. Throw, the throw box. away all the cards. Because yeah, yeah. those are crap, too. Yeah. What They're you just like thin, thin flimsy poopy. cards. Yep. Here's another funny story about trying to learn a game. <laughs> Doomtown. <laughs> so, Doomtown, it, the way it teaches you, it doesn't have a video. Oh, I'm sure there are videos, but it doesn't have like one advertising in the box. It has the rule book, but it's like, nope, don't read this rule book. Read this book instead. And it tells you to stack your deck a certain way. And it walks you through the game of a 1v1 game. And you just follow the directions past the book and read it out loud. And at the end of that 45-minute tutorial, we looked at each other like, do you know how to play this game? Nope. Sure don't. I think the problem is because it's too, like, play this card. It's very scripted. Yeah, there's no, like, Figure why I'm out. playing this card. Right. Right. Like, I don't understand, like, what's the point of playing this card mm-hmm. versus this card. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a game I'm determined to figure out how to play, though. Bring it full circle, that game also has a million expansions to it, and I don't understand why. Didn't you say it had a big following at Gen Con? Huge following. There was a huge booth. Everyone there loves Doomtown. There was a booth. There was a huge organized play area. There were, like, dozens of people playing it. I was like, how do you play this game? And I had zero interest in learning how to play the game. We're going to figure I, it out. Quote unquote, learn how to play the game twice. <laughs> They're the first things like, have you played the tutorial? Now, um, take a game like Crystal Clans, right? Okay. Crystal Clans haven't played it yet. Is a one on one game. Okay. Right? You each have a deck, right? Mm-hmm. The expansions to this game are just the decks. It's a new like faction. New faction, yeah. New deck. Doesn't add Dunsies. any doesn't add any like new things to the game other than whatever that faction's mechanic is. Okay. Right? Um, but that is a ten dollar expansion. It makes the game totally different. Sure, and that's that's worth it. Yeah, right. Um, well, one thing I'm super excited about is all the scythe expansions. They're yeah. all on my table right now. So yeah. um, there are three scythe expansions to the base game. One of them, the Invaders from Afar, adds the two missing factions for the yep. base game, but they're very different. Yeah. Um, well, and, and also the big thing with that, right, is it takes that from a one to five to a one to seven. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel. Personally, and I, I guess maybe this, I feel like that expansion should have come with a board expansion. I disagree. You do? Yeah. Why is that? Um, I feel like your normal person is not going to have the table size for a for that large board. Mm, okay. And, and that would have increased the price of that by fifteen bucks easily. That's true. That's true. Okay, I can see that. It's just I realize why they made the board. You need a bigger board for that game. Sure. With that many people. Sure. Um, anyway, uh, I just went through the Winds Gambit expansion, mm-hmm. which has the... Now, the airships, they look really cool. Mm-hmm. They don't do a whole lot. Sure. Okay? They're not... They don't even count as, like, controlling a territory. They kind of just float around. Sure. Um, but the other thing that's added in that expansion is the end module. 
So it's a different way to end the game rather than star placement. So okay. you have all these random tiles, and you draw one, and it changes how you end the game. Okay. Um, and then Fenris is the big legacy-esque uh, campaign version. The eight mission. 18 mission. I think I thought it was eight. I think it's 18. Interesting. I don't think it's eight. I think it's 18 different ones. I think you play eight. Yeah, you play eight. Yes. yes. Because, yeah. oh, that's, that's right. Because each time at the end, you, you're going to take a vote. And depending on the vote, you might play scenario 2A or 2B. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and while you play the game, it introduces the new rules each time, and it you open those components. Right. And Stonemeyer made Charterstone, which is a fantastic uh, campaign game, mm-hmm. which is also a legacy game. But they're, the the way that they do their like their tuck boxes and the way that they introduce the rules mm-hmm. is really really powerful. They have a really good grasp on that. So okay. um, it's a non-destructive game, right? It's not. Right, it's not legacy. Right. The Rise of Fenris is not legacy, but it is campaign where there are hidden components right. that you don't get unless you go through a certain mission. Mm-hmm. So for those that may not know, although you probably do, if you're listening to this podcast, a legacy game um, has destructible, compo- like destructive components. So like when you make a choice... You're making a permanent change. A permanent change. Uh, like if you have a character ability, you have a permanent sticker that you add to that character, yep. and the other one is torn up and thrown away. Yeah. And in Charterstone, you're actually placing permanent stickers on the board. Yeah. And so that is how that space will be till the kingdom comes. Right, right. But yeah, and then so Rise of Fenris is the... the end of the trilogy mm-hmm. this is the last expansion scythe yep. will have no more expansions right um and jamie has confirmed that jamie said that this is it yeah and if you read the 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 book the big spiral bound book that comes with it the first page is just talking about how this is the end of it a whole journey and everything yeah now i think they're going to keep going with that world building though because that um the guy who invented i don't know how to pronounce his name it's a polish guy the guy who invented that 1920s plus world setting mm-hmm. he has another video game coming out Okay. In that world. They released the Scythe game on Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has another, like, I think he's still going to run that. Interesting. But it's... it's It'll a, be in the world, it's a world it's, it's not going to be Scythe. No, it's not going to be the game Scythe. Yeah. No. Mowing grass. <laughs> so the um, so this is kind of interesting. Yeah. So Scythe is, I think, the only game that you've pimped out, right? Yes. And it's totally... You know what? I, I, was, I was looking at my Board Game Geek profile, and I've noticed that I do the very... I'm very middle of the road. I don't like to be... I love this game. I hate this game. Like, I'm not... I'm really, like, gonna... All yours are sevens. Mine's is gonna be between a five and an eight, right? Yeah. I need to go back in and choose my favorite game that I have and make that my my personal ten. Yeah. And then put everything else accordingly. And Scythe would probably be my ten. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Descent the, would be a really close. Yeah. Second. The, uh... You know, I, I think that accessories are great for games mm-hmm. um i think honestly sometimes people people sometimes do like label accessories as expansions which they're not they're not not at all but i feel like they can change your gameplay experience yeah i agree i right? agree uh it's a lot more satisfying playing with the metal coins right they feel valuable for some reason right like or, it, or playing with actual resources and right. not cubes and you know it's it goes back to like people that you know Buy really expensive chess sets. Right. It's just nice having a good-looking series of games. Right. You know? It's half the reason why, if I'm interested in, interested in a game, I will more than likely kickstart it. Just because, So you can get the upgraded components. Just because it's like, I'm going to end up getting these anyways. True. Right? So why not Mine just as well. get them now? Right. right? Champions, right? I missed out on, on Champions of Kickstarter because I was like, oh, this looks all right. I'm not going to get but it. You did, yeah, you didn't know. Right? No. And then turns out it was... Angel's favorite game, right? And so we have now. We just last night we bought metal coins for it. Okay, um, cool. And so that that game is going to be custom pimped out. Yeah, we've got a playmat for it now. I like that. And I might do the same thing with Scythe. I might get that playmat eventually. It just depends how much we play it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because um, the game is as much as you love it. If you're not, if it's just dusting on your shelf and you have no one to play it with, well, sure. But it's it's like collecting art to me. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, if there's a game I really, really enjoy, right, when I do get it to the table, right. I want it to be as pretty as possible. Sure. Right? And I want to have the best experience possible. Yeah. I agree. Especially with games that you love and play multiple times. Yeah. Have you ever worn out a game so much that you had to buy a new copy of it? Yes. Um, I actually just did that recently. Okay. I had to buy a new copy of Splendor. Really? Yeah. 
So um, Splendor, when we first got it, we didn't sleeve it or anything. This was before really, we were like really into board games. Splendor was one of our first board games we bought. Mm -hmm. The cards started wearing out. The tiles were getting a little worn. The chips were fine, sure. but I mean... Did we, you just buy another base one? Because I know they have like that super deluxe version. Yeah, so we, we have... We already have the expansion. The cities? Yeah. And the expansion is still totally fine because you only... There's four expansions inside the box, and so you play with one at a time. You choose a module. It's all modular. Okay. Yeah. That is one where we had to get another copy because... Just worn it out. Just worn out. I need yeah. to get another copy of Seven Dragons because I poured a beer on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, I don't think there's ever been anything where I'm like, I need another copy of it. Right. Right. You just what about you? a little... Compo no, I'm, I was trying to think if I ever have. Yes, I can think of one. Uh, sorry. I played Sorry as a kid so much, the board split in half. Wow. Yeah, so I ended up buying another one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think... Um, I think now, like, like I, I do much better care of, like, if it's a game that I've played more than a couple times, that I will sleeve it up. Okay. I know you're not a huge fan of sleeves. It depends. It depends. on it. I, If the sleeves make it so it doesn't fit back in the box... I don't want to do it. Sure. If the cards are a decent quality finish, then I'm probably not going to not going to sleeve them. Right. If they're really shitty and flimsy, and it makes handling the cards difficult, I'll sleeve them. It'll be it's a functional reason, not a not a protective reason. Right. For me, it's purely a protective mm -hmm. reason. Like if it's a game that has a crappy card quality, yeah. That you don't care about it. I'm I'm all about how it feels in my hands. If I can't riffle them well, if if they're going to stick together, right. I'm going to want to sleeve them. Yeah. But other than that, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But. Like, I'm I'm honestly, like. Maybe I, I'll do it with Scythe since I'm pimping it up so much. Yeah. I'm on the edge of uh, of sleeving Everdale. Okay. And not because the cards aren't great. Like, the cards are great. Um, but I feel like that that is a game where, like, one beer spill and it's Dunsies. game over. Yeah. But if you spill it on the board, I mean, you're going to get another one anyway, right? I mean, the board's. Yeah. No. I don't know. Will it still fit in the tree if it's sleeved? Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. That's I actually, important. I actually checked that out uh, the other day. I was, what was I sleeving? I was sleeving the uh, the miniature cards, the, okay. the American minis for uh, Champions of Midgard. Okay. Which, by the way, crazy, like, how many different sleeve sizes there are. Really? American. Uh, do you get them all, um, well, I guess, do you get it from the company? Do you get it from Fantasy Flight? Or So everyone has their own opinions on, uh, like, what's Mayfair the Mayfair is the other one, right? Mayfair's huge, um, or not Mayfair. Mayday. Mayday. Mayday, board game sleeves, and Fantasy Flight are like the big like board game ones. Okay. So they all have like the mini American, mini European, tarot sized, mm -hmm. the squares, all that. I personally like Fantasy Flight. They're a little bit thicker. Okay. Um, I think they feel better. Okay. They're matte. Are they anti-glare or anything like that? Or They are anti-glare, okay. um, but they, they don't have like a texture on right, it. Right, right. Now that we talk about it, I might end up getting them from the... Just because I've pimped out um, scythe so much, I'll probably end up getting sleeves for it. It wouldn't cost very much. The only two types of cards in there are tarot and mini American. In nope, standards. that's a lie. And standards. Yep. Yeah. But that's like five, ten bucks. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not that much. Yeah. The other thing mm -hmm. is promos. Oh, yeah. Right? So promos are usually not expansions, right? Um, but there was a promotional expansion for Above and Below. Okay. And so it doesn't add a whole lot. It adds a a, uh, a new, like, Groves thing where you have to... Uh, there are these new cards, and you have to go, like, go into the forest to get them. Okay. Oh, um, cool. But it, it was a promotional thing, right? Sure. So, like, BGG had it, and you had to either order it from them, or you got it's it... It's like a like special a release. It's not something you could just... You can't, you can't, like, go into a store and get it. Right. Right. Is it always available on their website, or was it just a limited run, this is it? It's a limited run, and, like, this is all they have. But, you know, like, you know, Scythe has a million promos. Yeah. And it's an easy, like, and uh, Dead Winter does, too. They have so many characters. You can just get that character. You can get the Felicia Day character yeah. in Dead Winter, and you just... Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? It's a whole bunch of content creators end up, like, they'll get companies to make them promos. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the promos are about the characters, and sometimes they're just, like, you couldn't tell. Yep. Right? Yep. Like, the Scythe promos, yep. you can't tell that they're promos. No. I, I don't know if it has a little tiny icon or number on it, but I didn't. I couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. But anyway, this month, as far as I understand it, is two big things. It's Local Beer Appreciation Month, September, and Board Game Appreciation Month. I read that somewhere. I don't know. 
huh. September. But it's two. It's our two things. Weird. It's tabletop month. <laughs> so um, I think we're gonna be recording. I really want to do this. I want to record in that Viking village for Champions of Midgard. Okay. We'll have, to, we'll have to figure it out. We'll figure it out. I don't want to record on the boat. I we, just, won't, we won't do the boat. Yeah, it just seems like a bunch of... Bunch of hooey? Yeah. Okay, but we can see the boat. Sure. Yeah. I was thinking going to the village, bringing the, the Viking boat that we have with the little figures in it. <laughs> we'll figure it out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to episode four of the Table Hops podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, check us out on YouTube and... Uh, be sure to review us on iTunes. Give us five stars if you like us, and five stars if you don't like us. If you us. don't like us, yes. To the end. So <clears throat> check out our board game geek profile. Um, check out our ta- our untapped profile, which I'm going to start working on. It's going to be great. And let us know what you guys want to hear. You know, yeah. we're, we're give us some suggestions. Yeah, we we would love to hear from you guys and do our job for us. Mm-hmm. Exactly, um, <laughs> that'd be great. All right, guys. Until next time. Good beers. Good games. Great, great times. times!